0: Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is none other than Derek Roddenbeck. He is an artist, and he's looking to increase his revenue. If you want your chance to enter and to win 100 bucks each Monday on the show, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now, and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. Good morning, Top Tribe. I'm excited for you to meet our guest this morning. His name is Iran Ayal and he's a serial entrepreneur with three exits under his belt. And he's also a contributor at several advisory boards. He currently serves as the CEO and founder at Springleap, a marketplace for 180,000 advertising agency experts for the world's best insights and copy testing. Iran is the winner of Ali Boost Investor Pitch Night, Techstars Pitch Night, the United Nation World Summit Award for Innovation, and Mentor Camp Global Finals. Iran, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: Absolutely. I'm right there to take a to with them, i'm right there
0: trying to be cute this morning on the top and you haven't had your coffee yet right it doesn't work
1: <laughs> no i have not had my coffee this morning Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta tell you it is actually sitting somewhere on a counter in the office and um i believe it's calling my name and i'm just not listening this that's,
0: morning you know that's the worst you get your coffee it's really hot you can't drink it you set it down to wait for it to cool off then it gets too cold and then you finally find it then it's too cold to drink so you have to put it in the microwave
1: Nathan, do you have a camera in office? Yeah, see, I know. This is how it works. <laughs> this
0: is how it, all entrepreneurs understand what I just said.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So,
0: uh, so yeah. Ron, three exits. Name them. And how much did you exit for?
1: Okay. Can't tell you uh, details on how much we exit for. Unfortunately, a lot of that kind of information is confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that, um, one of them was a very small exit. We sold, uh, a few, re- um, a couple of retail businesses to some friends of ours, um, who wanted to take, who wanted to take over a kind of a franchise that we were building. Um, it was what was the
0: franchise to- called?
1: Uh, it was called E squared. Okay. Um, and, uh, it was a friend of mine, Eric Edelstein and myself, AL, so four E's and we kind of. <laughs> Uh, We just called it E-Squared, it was a cute little name that we came up with Um, and what we did was we went to Asia to find really cool designers, bring uh, bring their uh, products back um, mostly apparel based and combine them with late night coffee shops. So you would come to these coffee shops and they would be playing anime movies and uh, samurai movies and all kinds of Japanese movies till midnight and you could do your shopping but you could also stay for amazing coffee. And we had a lot of success with it. GQ listed us as the best, um, uh, um, as the best place for men to shop at in Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, the London Underground uh, listed us as the coolest, uh, um, as their coolest shop for men. <clears throat> okay. And it was good. and it was a friend of ours saw it and he wanted to continue with it and we wanted to go more into internet based businesses. So that led us to create a company called Evleem in 2010. Real which quick was
0: on E a- eSquared, real yeah. quick. What year was that? You so, you started it in what year?
1: Uh, We started that in 2006 and sold it in 2008.
0: Okay. And just out of curiosity, I mean, you were making money by basically bringing these clothes and you sold those back to the coffee shop or to the end consumer?
1: Um, So we sold it to the end consumer and then the end consumer would also come and stay for coffee and watch movies.
0: So did the coffee shop get a cut of the sale?
1: Oh, we owned the coffee shop.
0: Oh, you got it. You'd own the coffee shop. Then you'd also bring in the clothing and and then you'd sell coffee and clothing. Exactly. Oh, got it. How many locations did you have when you sold it?
1: Uh, we had two locations We're busy opening up a third one and they said they wanted to take it all over.
0: And is this a business where each location is doing a hundred grand a year or a million a year? I mean, give us a general sense of size.
1: Um, so we literally only had two years to get it going. Um, we're looking at about 300 grand or so
0: per location or total. Yeah,
1: uh, Per location.
0: Okay. So maybe 600 K total on your way to opening a third, which would take maybe a year or two to ramp up. So how is a business like that? I'm curious. Cause I haven't done retail how is a business doing six hundred k per year top line in retail valued?
1: Unfortunately, you get valuated on your sales um, and p- and your relationships mostly. Okay. So it's not a, you're not going to see a massive exit. Uh, what you, uh, if we had opened twenty more locations? It would have been more interesting um, because then you essentially get judged not just on your uh, current revenues but also future possible revenues that you've proven and built out and other pro- and potentially any franchise models that you've built around it.
0: So 1x top line revenue is a good barometer.
1: No, I think you'll get more than 1x. Two. I definitely think, I definitely think you'll definitely get more than 1x. You can get up to three to 4x. Okay,
0: three to four. Okay, great. Tell us about the next business.
1: So um, to be honest with you, eSquid was very much just a passion project. Um, we were both very passionate about apparel and about coffee, and we wanted to do something where we were building other businesses at the same time, mostly internet concept, and we had a place to do it from while doing this kind of stuff. So it was kind of a lot of fun for us and we had all our meetings in there. And one of the one of the ideas that we were kicking around was it was very difficult to build kick, uh, to build crowdsourcing websites ranging from your 99 designs where you build a uh, you know which has graphic design um, you know graphic designers on the one end of the marketplace. and then on the other side you've got small to medium businesses that are looking for graphic designers and they want a whole bunch of options. so they crowdsource the, they they would crowdsource the design. And get you know potentially a hundred options and choose the one at the end. So um, you know, when we looked at that, when we looked at that, we also saw that there were a lot of other exciting concepts. There was the Kickstarter type of concept yep. where people could do crowdfunding. There was an incentive where you could source a scientific solution from PhDs. And with all of this, we kind of thought, well, wouldn't it be great if you came to a um, to a portal? Or platform where you could, in five minutes, drag and drop together any type of crowdsourcing website with zero know-how. So what we did is we built exactly that. It was one of the first things that um, of you know of any sort of scale in nature to be built on Microsoft Azure, uh, you know, Microsoft cloud-based platform. In fact, it was so crazy, it was such a crazy time that we wound up supporting the Azure team understanding what we were doing with their technology because oh they didn't support us properly. It was just early days. Yep. It was, it was the early days of EC2, you know, it was, it was a really challenging project in that regard. So the we,
0: software was pure, it was drag and drop, like Kickstarter, essentially you could put your own Kickstarter campaign on your own website.
1: Um, think of it even more like a, you remember Ning? Or Wix or Weebly or yep, those kind yep. of places where you drag and drop a, a website together. This is a place where your grandma could come together, could, could come, and in five minutes drag and drop any sort of crowdsourcing website. And then what we did is we had a slight pivot. We um, made them all embeddable into Facebook because around 2011 it became the heyday of embedding into Facebook. So now brands and agencies could engage their fans in a crowdsourcing challenge on their website. But they could also embed it into Facebook and engage them across Facebook and the website simultaneously. Very cool. That became really valuable to a company called Incubator that we worked with. Uh, We had a lot of really, uh, really amazing clients, you know, everyone from uh, your Barclays to TNS and uh, Incubator wound up acquiring us in 2012, uh, in 2013.
0: Got it. Very cool. Two notes real quick, Iran. So we have the founder of Wix actually coming on in a few episodes. For those of you that want to get more familiar with the whole drag and drop industry, because it was, I mean, it's a hot industry in the SaaS space. And then additionally, on the crowdfunding front, Iran, We had John Lee Dumas on back in episode 163, where he put his Freedom Journal up on Kickstarter. And I told him to tell me how many he purchased before he put it up on Kickstarter. He told me he purchased 20,000 of them at $6.50 each. And uh, the success of that campaign was through the roof. You can go back and get the numbers from that episode 163. So, Iran, it makes complete sense to me why you were able to sell that business. Was it a SaaS play, by the way? Was it just a SaaS business model?
1: So initially, we didn't start with SaaS. Initially, we started by going directly to the customers and um, trying to sell them on a freemium model. Um, And uh, the freemium model we found was unsuccessful. So we tried selling one-on-one and we saw that one-on-one was uh, was just not really great and scalable. So we switched through to a SaaS model um, and that became enormously successful because most of our clients that we were dealing with were large retailers or large agencies. And they actually preferred paying a SaaS model, um, uh, than, um, than engaging. So, on, on, so on what do our they market.
0: pay? What do they pay on average per month?
1: It varied dramatically. I mean, we had small businesses coming to us who we would launch for, let's say a few hundred dollars a month, right through to clients that were paying us, uh, let's say 10 or $20,000 a month. Okay. Um, to, you know, so you, it really depends. It really depends. We didn't want to cut out the, the small business, from having access to our technology. And we also learned a lot from small businesses about the eccentricities of what they tried to use it for um, because there was more volume there initially.
0: So Ron, I want to get a sense of how big the business was. How many total customers were you working with at the peak?
1: Um, oof, um, actually not a heck of a lot. We had about 30 stable customers, uh, okay. of larger customers. We had a bunch of smaller ones using us continuously. Um, and moving in and out of the system, but we had about thirty large clients using us.
0: Okay, and so what of all the time that you're building a business, which month, uh, I guess, what was the highest MRR you hit? You know, obviously there were some ups and downs as you lost and gained clients, but what, what was the highest MRR you hit in a given month?
1: Oh, we hit over uh, we hit over 100k MRR um, initially in around I think 2012 when we started to understand our business model. Okay, and we had uh, we had we had months where we pushed it beyond that, to somewhere to about. 250. So, mm-hmm. uh, 250
0: can Yeah. Okay. And then you decided to sell it. How is a business like this evaluated when you, when you're thinking about as a founder, totally what different.
1: you should sell it? Uh, totally different. Um, mm-hmm. so my job, at uh, my job, um, at every, and I left, um, I was one of the two co-founders and I left in 2012 because we incubated spring leap inside of every, and I actually bought out spring leap and went on my own. Um, but I stayed as an, ad- I, I stayed as a key advisor until, you know, right through the acquisition. The with with something like that, you of I mean, you're looking for a 10x. You're looking for anywhere between seven x to 10x at least of top
0: line um, re- of top line annual recurring uh, revenue. You,
1: you get judged on a completely different metric on a marketplace. Marketplaces are far more not just about um, revenue; they're about churn. Well, I'm not talking
0: about I'm not I'm not talking about the marketplace spring leap. I'm talking about the drag and drop builder.
1: So, the drag and drop builder is not dissimilar um because um even there funny enough actually what we did is we started building a marketplace of experts uh, which was you know which is which was my forte um so we built a marketplace of experts uh to move in and out of the different projects to get them kind of kick started and to get them uh, to get them uh off the ground and sure. to start activity and to create high level activity high quality activity uh, not just um, kind of seeing rubbish, you know, being posted. By so Ron, what,
0: what was the valuation on average? Like is seven, to, you said seven to 10 X top line ARR?
1: I can't tell you what the valuation was. No, um, not
0: yours, but in general, in this space,
1: what, what was it oh, oh, in, in this kind of space? You're generally looking for it. You're looking for, you wouldn't tie it to your MRR. I mean, you'd be tying it to your technology, to your customer base, the lifetime value of the customer. Wait, what do you mean uh, you don't tie
0: the valuation of a, of a SaaS business to annual recurring revenue?
1: That's I think like you do, you, you do to some extent, but it's not the only thing that you're judged by.
0: I mean, every every exit, and we've had some big ones come on the show, 120 million to Oracle, things of that nature, it's always usually monthly recurring revenue, annualized, times some multiple. And that multiple is really obviously based on growth, lifetime value churn. And that multiple is typically like anywhere between 10 and 20x. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, I mean you're looking at certain technologies which get sold to, let's say, Dropbox. Uh, for a hundred million dollars, and they don't even have, haven't even made a single sale, but they're going to be ba- they're going to be basing themselves on a SaaS model. It's kind of this is actually quite a bit interesting dilemma. So a lot of people, um, the first thing that you a lot of people kind of look at certain businesses, and they say, well, you know, this is an MRR, this is an MRR SaaS based business. Um, why don't we pay something on a multiple? And I'll give you a great example of a company that, uh, you know, which shows that that doesn't always follow uh, a friend of mine, Jevin McDonald sold go instant for around $75 million to Salesforce, um, based model. Um, and, um, you know, actually it was kind of a, it was kind of an API play, but it's still SaaS based model. Um, and they only had one customer, but yet they sold for $75 million within one and a half years of raising one and a half million dollars. So what was the secret sauce? The secret sauce was that the company was Salesforce could see that they could use this technology in every single one of their clients. Yeah, okay, that's, so a, what, that's,
0: that's a unicorn though. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. specifically for like, were there, and by the way, I, if you're open to it, I'd love to have him on to talk about that because that, that's a unique story. But for someone doing and building a business around just a, again a, a multiple on annual occurring revenue in the space you were in, is I mean, is seven to 10X average? Is that what you saw?
1: I think 7 to 10X is a good average. I okay. mean, I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a bad average, but I've seen companies that have been procured before with a lot less revenue um, for multiples that wouldn't make sense along these lines because the company's also aqua-hiring. So the other side is, are they also aqua the team? Uh, what else are they going to be using the team for? What else are they going to be using the technology for? Yeah. So how else does it scale out? Uh, what if the team turns around and says, look, I know our MRR is 100K, but I'm not going to accept... 10X on, on a 100K MRR, it doesn't make any sense to me, and it's not attractive to me. Yeah, the company will go higher if they're wanting to acquire higher or they can see that there is real value um, across the lifetime value of the customer. So I think it can get a little bit more complex than that yeah
0: honest. I mean, uh, I just think anything past truly looking at cash and cash flow in a business is just pure speculation. Dropbox is speculating that their customers are going to buy this new API. People are speculating that the team's really talented and you have to acquire them for 20 million bucks. So I'm just I trying think, to I don't want to set unreal I, I don't want to set unrealistic that. expectations sure. for for folks listening in right now, right because I, these so, are unique stories
1: so so let's so let me let me say this rather. I think speculation has a lot to do uh, with valuations um, to be, honest, and, and I think you can see that from investment, from, uh, from, in, from the earliest investment that you're going to make uh, right through to your acquisition. I think that speculation does play, um, play a role. However, when you're selling to certain types of com- uh, to certain type of companies, especially if you're going to be exiting to an advertising company or an ad tech company, um, you are going to be judged on your profitability and your, um, and your multiples on profitability and revenues. That is really the way they're going to look at you, which is why some companies never Which is why some tech companies never want to exit to let's say a WPP or an Omnicom or a publicist because they know that traditionally these companies will always evaluate you on your revenues and pretty much because very have, little. because personally. they have public
0: shareholders. I mean, they're
1: sure. But then again, Salesforce doesn't always look at valuations that way and they have, uh, and they're public as well. So it's, you know, it's, I don't think that that's always the case. I think it's, all, um, it's important to look at, algorithm, um, at algorithmically how um, companies are used to acquiring and investing. Um, and if you look at companies like WPP or Omnicom, all those kind of companies that are used to buying advertising agencies, it's an advertising agency. The only thing you can really do is, you know, essentially build out on, on, on services. They very rarely have any products, if at all. So the only way you can really judge is that way. Which is why you found that these companies are not usually great acquirers of technology companies. But when you start looking at technology plays, then you, um, you start looking at the, your Oracle's, your Salesforce's, your Apple's. All these other kind of other companies. They look at they look at your valuation in a very very different metric. So even when you when you're an entrepreneur and you're going out and let's say you're building something like a Spring Deep. So um, Spring Deep you know, we've got 180,000 advertising agency experts for um, expert insights. If I go out to my investors and I say, I'm going to sell this business to to Kantar TNS um, or someone like that, or someone from the WPP Omnicoms and those kind of people, I'm going to switch off probably 50% of my um, tech investors, if not more. Because they know that traditionally the multiples are going to be super duper low. Yeah,
0: yeah, it makes it makes look. It makes sense. I'm just. I want to. I want people to help kind of understand this kind of valuation space. It's so much art and science together. So I think. I, I think totally we've. Art- I think we've really articulated that. Hey, we, Iran, we're getting up to the 15 minute mark. I'm gonna. Ha- I want to have you back on because we didn't get a chance to really dive deep into Spring Leap. Is that okay? That would be great. Okay, because I want to get deep because you had a lot of great information about history and valuations and I didn't want to cut those off and move fast. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to skip the famous five in this one because we're going to have you back on later. We're going to talk about Spring Leap. We'll do the famous five. But Iran, if people want to connect with you between the two episodes, where can they connect with you personally online?
1: So they can connect with me um, on LinkedIn. Um, easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, they can connect with me on Clarity. Uh, clarity.fm. I don't know if you by the way, had Dan Martell on to yeah. your show phenomenal guy uh salt clarity fm not too long ago um so you can connect with me on clarity um you can also connect with me on eran e-r-a-n at springleap.com and always i'm always looking forward to connecting with new people and finding new synergies um looking at potentially at advisory positions and essentially also just helping out in any way possible
0: My blog is doing so, so well. This podcast is growing like crazy, and there's one tool I can really credit a lot of this to. It's like my secret little assistant, are you ready for it? It's called Edgar. And what Edgar does is it basically allows me to add pieces of content to a library. I didn't create a posting schedule for that library. And then Edgar just releases that on all my social media networks every day. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. It's really amazing. So I use it and I had the CEO Laura on the show and we worked out a great deal. You guys can start using Edgar for yourselves at nathanlatka.com forward slash Edgar. Again, nathanlatka.com forward slash edgar that's my secret don't share it with too many people in the meantime enjoy using it in the next episode around we do together we'll talk about spring leap i also want to talk about what percentage of equity or how you're being compensated for your advisory roles because that's someone that something that a lot of people are thinking about so guys with that being said top tribe we're going to link to everything iran has articulated in the show notes at nathanlaka.com forward slash the top 167 again forward slash the top 167 seven. And there you guys have it from selling three companies now focused deeply on Spring Leap, which you'll come on and talk about later. Iran, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Thank you so much, Nathan. such bet. a pleasure being with you today. Of course.
0: Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.